1 Peter uh, chapter 2. We're actually going to start at the end of uh, chapter 1 in verse 22, and we're going to be reading uh, to uh, verse 12 of chapter 2. Uh, and while, before I do that, I just want to let you know that continue to pray uh, for Miss uh, Margaret Knight. It seems that she's kind of had a, a rough spell, and she seems like she's kind of coming out of it a little bit, but she just needs a lot of prayer. So be praying for Miss Margaret and Miss Jim um, uh, Knight, um, if you would. Let's read uh, God's Word uh, and pray that He would have it affect our souls. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray. God, we... uh, We enter into your presence with awe and wonder. You are so good to your people. You are holy and majestic. Your love abounds forever. God, you have lavished us with the riches of your grace. God, and as we enter your presence, Father, it is clearly seen that we can often be undone because of our own sinfulness we bring to the table. For God, this past week, some of us have have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not given ourselves wholly unto thee, but God, we have been filled with worry and anxiety of the things of this world. We have been filled with selfishness, God, maybe even hypocrisy. God, we we want to confess our sin to you. God, we know that you are faithful and just. You have sent your son to die for us, to take the penalty for us on the cross, washing us with his blood. So God, we pray that you would wash us yet again with your blood, that we would be free from our sin. God, uh, we trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And he um, 
So God, we know that we consider ourselves the blessed man whose sin will not be counted against us because you sent your son to die on our behalf. Purify your people, I pray in Christ's name. Uh, Dear God, we pray. We pray for those in our midst who are hurting. God, we specifically pray for Miss uh, Margaret Knight. God, we pray that you would uh, minister to her spirit. God, we thank you that she is not in pain. Uh, God, we pray that you would continue to allow her to to return to to full strength, give um, her more function of her heart, God. God, we pray that you would continue to shower uh, Jim and Margaret with your, with your mercy. Let her know that you will never leave her nor forsake her. Let her feel your presence for the abiding spirit of God. Uh, God, we pray for our dear brother Olin. God, we, we his upcoming uh, procedure this week for the stint. God, we pray that you would just have your hand upon him. God, we thank you for his faithfulness, the faithfulness of Miss Louise. God, we pray that their faith would continue to be grounded in your character. That They would stand on your promises. They would stand in your words, the words of your promises that cannot fail. So God, I pray that your mercy would be upon them. And God, we pray for the proclamation of the gospel in this city and in this county. God, we pray for Brother Ray Long this morning at Union Baptist Church. God, we pray as he steps up to preach your word, God, that he would hide himself behind the cross. And as he declares your word, that those people would be built up by the Spirit of God, that they'd be built up by the living and abiding word, that they would rally around the foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen in the sight of God to be chosen um, and precious. God, we pray for our own hearts this morning. God, it is cold outside, and it is, it is coming into the new year. Many folks are entering back into a season of work. Uh, many worries and anxieties could be on their hearts. So God, I pray now that you would just quiet distraction, God, that you would speak to the hearts of your people. God, these are the people I love. God, I love your people. God, I love this church. I love the people that you are, are building, the people you are forming into your likeness, God. So God, I pray that you would be gracious, that you would be merciful, that you would be powerful to your people this morning. God, I pray that as I preach that I would decrease and that you may increase. God, that the word that is declared, God, is declared on your authority, on authority of the word of God. God, build your church up for the glory of your name. In Christ we pray. Amen. Uh, In 1842, uh, James Hollowell uh, published the first edition Nursery Rhymes of England which contained the first printed version of the classic tale of the three little pigs. The three little pigs were sent out to find their fortune from their mother. Each pig built their house and was encountered by the big bad wolf. Little pig, little pig, let me come in. No, no, not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. Then I'll puff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. As the story goes, the little wolf was able to blow down the first house of straw and ate the first little pig. He was able to blow down the second house made of sticks and ate the second little pig. But he was not able to blow the third house down made of bricks. Although he huffed and he puffed, he was helpless against the well-built house. As the classic tale goes, the wolf would eventually get tired of his efforts to blow down the house. He would climb the chimney, fall into the, the pot, be boiled, and be eaten by the third little pig. Now, many of you have known that tale because it's become a part of our, of our culture. It's been told in various forms. The message is very simple. Be careful how you build your house. The wrong material will make your house vulnerable 
to destruction from the enemy. As it was true with the little pigs, so it is true with us. We must be careful how we build our house. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like the man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the storm, when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. How you build your house, how we build our house matters. Listen again to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, or chapter 3, verse 10 and 15, through 15, about this warning about building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has been built on the foundation survives, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, though only through the fire. You see this repeated warning again and again in Scripture. Be careful how you build. Be careful with what you build. So this new year, we're going to look at God's Word and discover how we are called to build God's house, the church. Or I believe more accurately, how God is going to build his house, how he's going to continue to build his house since he is the master builder. So this morning, we're going to look at three ways in which God is building up this house. If you want to out- follow your outline provided for you, turn to the back of your bulletin. The first uh, point this morning, God builds his house by his living word. God builds his house by his living word. Look again with me in verse 22 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not with perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass wither and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. We see right there in verse 23 that we are born again by what? By the living and abiding word of God. Now we know how the material of the word is different than the material of this world. All flesh is like grass that will one day burn. It will be destroyed. It's not permanent but it's perishable. The danger that is repeated earlier 
in the passages I read in the story of the three little pigs is that if you build with the wrong material, what you build will perish. Many of you are entering in that stage of life, maybe towards retirement. Can you imagine working your entire life, laboring for, for savings to provide for yourself in retirement, only to retire, check your bank account to see how much you saved, and you see this, zero. That's what it's saying here. If you labor with the wrong material, at the end of your life, at the end of your labor, you get nothing. How you build matters. It's, like, it's, it's as if a master sculptor was building this beautiful piece with sand at the foot of the ocean. The first tide that comes in destroys all his work. But thanks be to God that when we build, we do not build with, when God builds, he does not build with that which is perishable. God builds with the imperishable. The word of the Lord remains forever. Hear me, church, the work that the word, the word of the Lord does will remain forever. And guess what? You, we are the work of the Lord. The imperishable word was the good news that was preached to us when we believed the word worked in us, making us living, that we would live forever. Ephesians 2.10 We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Let that sink in. You are the work of the Lord. And the Lord is faithful to complete his work. It's what we looked at last week. He is faithful to the end, that we would be guiltless on that day, free, blameless, forgiven, righteous, holy. What God starts, he will complete. This is why Christians should be the most hopeful people in all the world. So as we enter into this new year, 2014, we believe that God is going to continue to be God for us. He's going to continue to to build us and to, to form us and to shape us by his word. He is going to sustain this house, the house of Park Baptist Church, by the word of God. Now, if you look at our culture, uh, you could say that America is a country in crisis. We have lost our moral compass. It it almost appears that we're in a moral freefall. The more and more uh, we see how our culture is turning away from the Word, and sin is becoming more and more rampant. Now, as we look at that landscape, we may start to think that we are going to lose the fight, or that we are losing the fight. Listen to the helpful commentary of Pastor Mark Dever that he gives. He, he, I quote, Christ's kingdom is in no danger of failing. Again, Christians, churches, and especially pastors must know this deeply in our bones. D-Day has happened in the gospel. Now it's cleanup time. Not one person God has elected to save will will fail to be saved because of the secular agenda is winning in our time and place. There shouldn't be any anxiety or desperation in us. Beloved, God will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against them. I've been spending time this past week thinking about Romans chapter 8. The end of Romans chapter 8 is almost like, like, for me, it's like the climax. It's the Mount Everest of the book of the Bible. It's a beautiful section. It It starts this way and it says, 
What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus was, is, is the one that died. More than that was raised, who is seated at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or sword or famine or nakedness? As it says in, in Hosea, all for your sake we are being led to be slaughtered. We are killed all the day long. So you know in all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that it is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the power and the beauty of our God. We will never be let go. We will never be able to fail because our God has created us by his word. That deserves an amen. And Peter says to them, right, based on that, based on the living and abiding word of God, working in his people, he says this, put away all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy and envy, all slander, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. The longing or the craving for spiritual sustenance comes from the word. It's as if we come to the word, we've tasted, this is good. He is so good. We should want more and more. This is going into a, a five-course gourmet meal and, and having the appetizer and saying, that was so good. I can't wait for the next meal. But too many times we, we taste it and then we don't crave for more. God is giving us an opportunity right now to put away the old and taste again that the Lord is good. And we know that the Lord is good because of the second reason of this morning's test, morning's text, well, how God builds his church. God builds his house by his living stone. God builds his house by his living stone. Look with me in verse 4. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. For it stands in Scripture, verse 6, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. See, we have confidence that God is building his house because of our foundation. Our foundation is the living stone, Jesus Christ. It says right there in verse 4, it says, as you come to him. This is what the church is all about. Week in and week out, what do we do? We come together to worship this Lord, this Jesus. Now notice it's not speaking to you individually. It's speaking to you corporately, you as a body, as, you, as we collectively come. God does not leave another option, but expects that Christians should be gathering together with other believers as you, as we come to Jesus. I think we come to experience Jesus Christ 
more fully when we come to him together. Faith is personal, but faith is also corporate. Jesus is the dividing line for the church. What we think about the person and work of Jesus Christ is the most important aspect of any church. It is the most important aspect of this church and any church you encounter. If you are a visitor today and you are looking for a good church home, you need to ask yourself, what does that church think about the finished work of Jesus Christ? We gather week in and week out to come to Jesus as our king. What does it say? Our living stone was rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Beloved, the only opinion in life that truly matters is the Lord Almighty, God himself. And God highly honors Jesus Christ and looks at him with a deep, precious love. Now, Peter testifies from the rest of Scripture, helping us to uh, interpret the Old Testament. Here he quotes Psalm 118, 22, which Casey read earlier, and Isaiah 28, 16. God laid a cornerstone as the foundation of his church, his building. Now, the cornerstone was a large stone that was the starting place for a building. It merged two sides. The rest of the structure hinged on the placement of that stone. Now, we know that Jesus Christ is the hinge. He's the foundation of God's building, of God's house. We can see that, it, that, when we, that we can see if Jesus Christ is the foundation, that we must adequately know who he is. And for, if, because if we have the wrong Jesus, we have built our house on something other than the real Jesus. So how do we know if we have the real Jesus He is the one revealed in the living and abiding Word of God. All opinions and impressions of Jesus Christ must be grounded in the Bible. Even Paul says this in the beginning of Romans 1. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, descended from David according to the flesh, and was raised by the spirit of holiness, resurrection from the dead. Now hear me, a church that denies, the church that denies the word of God will soon deny the Christ in which the word speaks. People have been stumbling over Jesus Christ for centuries. We see right there in verse 8. Why? They stumble because they disobey the word. They do not want to accept Jesus Christ as he is. They do not want to accept his word. They do not want to accept his death. They do not want to accept the word about his resurrection. Pastor Kevin DeYoung recently said, just about everybody in America likes Jesus, but few like him for who he truly is. Everybody in America likes Jesus, but few like him for who he truly is. The builders rejected Jesus Christ, and he became our cornerstone. God predestined that Jesus Christ would die, God knew that the only way to rescue humanity was the sacrificial death of his son, his perfect son, Jesus. Without Christ, we will pay for our own sins. And how will we pay? We will pay for our sins in eternal separation from God in a literal place of suffering called hell. God knew that we were under judgment that we are under condemnation. So he gave us a rescue. He sent his son. Isaiah 53.10, 
It was the will of the Lord to crush him. Jesus was crushed. He poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered as a sinner. He said, you will be called a sinner. He was rejected and marked as a sinner. Why? So we could live. If we would turn to him and trust him as our Savior, that we would live. If anyone would believe in him, they would not be put to shame. For it says it is an honor for those who believe. Friend, if you are here today visiting, what have you done with Jesus? Do you believe in him as he is revealed in the scriptures? Or have you rejected him? That is the dividing line of every church. It's the dividing line of every life. God builds his house in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is our righteous king. He is the creator of all things. He is the one who holds this whole thing together. If we stop proclaiming this Jesus, the Jesus that was rejected by men to death, but chosen by God to be precious in his resurrection, then the house, God's house, this house will crumble. The church is built when the real Jesus is proclaimed. Lastly, the third point, God builds his house by his living people. God builds his house by his living people. Go back with me to verse 4. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter says that Christians are like Christ. As Jesus is the living stone, we are like him as living stones, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen, precious. And we are being built up into a spiritual house. Now, the spiritual house in the Old Testament was the temple, the temple where God met with his people. The temple was made with dead stones. But when we, as dead stones, encounter the living God through the living and abiding word of God, he takes that which is dead, hearts of stone, and he gives us hearts of flesh. He changes us to be living stones. We who were once dead in our sins have become alive to God in Christ Jesus. God is washing sinners through the blood of Christ to use them as living stones to be built into a spiritual house. Beloved, we, have no, we no longer have to go somewhere to meet with God. We all have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. Although we have that individual access, God says, I want you to come together with me corporally to be built as a spiritual house. Now, I think this is a great image. It expands our perspective. God has not saved us so that we could solely be saved from hell. But he has saved us so that we could become part of his spiritual house, be one of his people. And what does this spiritual house do? We offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We come to Jesus Christ, our King, and offer our whole lives, wholly devoted unto God. Romans 12.1, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. 
Beloved, we don't live to ourself alone or die to ourself alone. We are the Lord's. If we live or we die, we belong to Jesus Christ. We must offer ourselves to God through Jesus Christ. Offer everything to Jesus. This is my plea with you this morning. Offer all that you have, every breath that you breathe, everything that you do, all your strength, all your might, offer it to God. Even offer how you wash dishes to the glory of God. We don't wash dishes merely to clean them, do we? We do it to be good stewards of what God has given us. We wash dishes to serve our families with love and kindness. We wash dishes because God has given us strength in our legs and strength in our arms to wash those pots and pans. We wash dishes because God created a world where hot water dissolves bacteria and makes plates clean so that we don't get sick so we can better serve him with all our strength and our energy. But how many times do we wash those dishes and... You know, let's do all that we can for the glory of God. Whether you're teaching Sunday school, washing dishes, raking your leaves, baking for a loved one, writing a thank you note, enjoying the the breath of the fresh air that God has given it, do it all for the glory of God. How we do regular activities will affect us. But remember, beloved, you are not your own. How you live individually in your own home, in your own life, will affect me, will affect the person sitting next to you. We are called to be a holy priesthood. We are called to fight sin and temptation, to offer ourselves to God with purity and sincerity. Priest, as we are called, are called to be set apart to serve the Lord. Likewise, we have been set apart to serve God. The Lord Almighty, El Shaddai, we have been called to serve Him. Notice who is called to do the serving. It's not the pastor. It's not the music minister. It's not the missionary. It's the people. It is you who are being built up into a holy priesthood to offer yourselves to God. Have you ever gone house hunting? You, ever, you know, you, get, you have your list of, of, of hot things that you want in a house. I know a lot of you have built your own house, by God's grace. You know, when I go and look, look for a house, uh, there's, there's your qualities, right? You've got to have a big kitchen. You'd like, you know, I want a front, front porch. You know, I, I, want, I want, you know, a, a good curb appeal. Can you imagine walking up to a house that has beautiful curb appeal? I mean, everything looks great, right? It's got that beautiful wraparound southern porch, right? The colors just match. It's close to where you live, right? It's, cl- it's, it's close to church. I mean, this is perfect. You live near your pastor, which is also a plus. You, you walk in, and as you're being led by the real estate agent, you come to the kitchen, and you realize there's no kitchen. Well, that's a little weird. You go upstairs, and you realize all the windows are out. There's no windows upstairs. All the, all the, 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 the carpet in the master bedroom is just full of stains, Right? There's no heating unit. See, this is what happens when the people of God don't build God's house. Deficiencies creep in to the body of Christ. Right? We are called all together to serve and build up this body. But when you don't serve, when you don't use your strength and your energy to build up God's house, we have no kitchen. We may have, may have no heat. God is calling you to be 
to use your energy and your strength as a royal priesthood to be built as a spiritual house. So when we gather and we are being built up into this spiritual house, what you bring to the table matters. You are not called to come and just sit, but you are called to come and participate as you come to Jesus. How have you prepared to meet the Lord this Sunday morning? Have you gotten a good night's rest? Have you prayed for your pastor in the preaching of the word? Have you prayed for your spouse or your children as they hear the word of God? Have you come with a clear, clear conscience after confessing your sin to the Lord? Have you studied the Sunday school lesson? Have you prepared your heart to sing God's praises? Have you gotten a good breakfast so you won't be distracted by hunger when the preacher is going over slightly past 12 o'clock? Have you made it a priority to be here on time? Have you come to encourage those around you? Have you come with a heart to engage our visitors, to make them feel welcomed, to make them show that we love you and we're glad that you're here? Have you come in, have you come to listen intently to the word of God, opening yourself up, saying, God, speak to me, purify me as one of your people, God. Help me along for spiritual milk that I may be grown up into salvation. Lord, I want to taste and see that you are good. Why have you come this morning? How have you prepared yourself to meet God? I can testify to this. When we as a body come together and we are prepared for worship, the the sanctuary feels different. We sing different. It is easier for me to preach. There's sometimes I get up here and I feel everything is just dead. I feel like I have to generate emotion. That should never be for God's people. Because you are called to be a holy priest. You're called to serve. We have to consider the corporate nature of the body more than our own individual benefit on Sunday morning. I talk to a lot of people about the church, as I should as a pastor. Uh, and I, I just to be honest with you, the consumeristic mindset of our world has, has infiltrated people's minds of the church. And that consumeristic, what's in it for me mentality spills over to how we view the church. And it's just killing us. Too many people look for a church. Too many people are in the church looking to be served rather than to serve. To come to get rather than to give. But you're a priest. You're called to be a royal, holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices unto God. The church is primarily not here for you. You are primarily here for the church. By God's grace, a lot of the recent members we've had have have come and they've joined the church and they ask me these kind of questions. Where can I serve? How can I build up this body of Christ? Beloved, that 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 is a gift. Praise God for the people who have joined our church of late. That is a gift. But can I tell you, it's also very rare. So as a body who've been here for a long time, we should rejoice and thank God for who he's bringing in to our midst. But listen how Peter contrasts the unbeliever. He says the one who disobeys the word, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But look, what does he say to the church? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I mean, do you hear the the corporate nature of the church? People who don't go to church, how, how do you explain away that? God is not calling us to himself individually. He's calling to himself and his people. We are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. We have to, the, the ability to herald the, the, the gospel of God and declare it to our world. Beloved, do you hear that once we were not a people, but now we are a people. We were not a family, but we've become the family of God. In his sovereign wisdom, God has decided that he is going to build himself a house full of living stones through the living and abiding word of God on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is how God has decided to reach Rock Hill. This is how God has decided to reach Africa and Asia. God has decided to reach the world through his house. So we must be careful how we build. We must be careful to listen how God is building his church. Once we were a people, once we were not a people, now we are a people. Once we had not received mercy, but now, oh beloved, we have received the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we bow before you. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace. God, we thank you how you have called us out of darkness into your wonderful light. God, we thank you that we are being built into a spiritual house. God, I pray that you continue to purify your church. Continue to wash us with your blood. God, we pray that in this church, the church of Park Baptist, God, that you would remove every wrinkle and blemish, God. That you would remove the deficiencies. God, you would call people in this in this congregation today, Father, uh, to serve you with all their heart, uh, with all their life, God, um, that we may be a better reflection of your house. God, we pray that you continue to build um, the people of Park Baptist Church into a strong, holy, righteous, spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices to you and for your glory. Uh, We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.